0: What I'm going to do today is to give, uh, sort of ask a question in a mathematical way and try and provide some answers. some very interesting uh, material in this topic about voting. And so what we will do is we'll try and construct a model of a voting system from a mathematical point of view. Make some uh, definitions, give some idea of what we're trying to look for. And then give some, well, give some conditions we'd like a voting system to have. And ask whether they're reasonable or not. What can we say about them? Let's see if we start somewhere. Server setup. We're going to make a model of a voting system. And, well, we have something we want to vote for. A selection of things, options we could take. Okay, collection of them there. I just put them between those round brackets, not them running away. Um, a, B, C, and so forth. And a populace who are eligible to vote. Uh, person 1, person 2, person... We don't want to be too, you know, too picky about these things. Up to person capital N. And not quite how a lot of votes work, but just for the sake of what we're going to do, everyone's going to put the options in order. They're going to say, this is the option I like most, this is my second favourite option, this is my third favourite, down to, this is my least favourite option. So, an example of how you might do this. Let's see. Person one may choose the following things. Apologies. Uh, Perhaps they are a fan of labour they put Labour first and the Conservatives second. And then somewhere much further down their list is the uh, monster-raving loony party. But um, here's the satire. Well, of course, that's significantly better than some other things we could mention. OK, so we have our voting system. So a voting system, what does it do? It takes all these ways of ordering everything that everybody could possibly pick on their voting form and turns them into a decision. It outputs an order for these things turns n votes into one decision. This is the best alternative. This is the second best alternative. This is the third best. Of course, there are many really bad ways of doing this. We could have a function that says A is the best alternative regardless of the question, or regardless of who votes, or what they vote for. And that's a terrible thing to do. So we're going to try and make some kind of condition on it, ask some reasonable things about it. So we're going to look at a few restrictions. Things that we think maybe such a function should have. (coughs) Okay, so, well, first one, I'm going to start off with something we can define. Oh, okay, a dictatorship. Dictatorship is a voting formula where there's a person, and whatever they say happens. So whatever order they put in is what comes out of the output. It just picks up what they say, and that's the answer. Okay, That's one type we could certainly have. Yeah. Same words I just said, slightly different order. Here's another uh, condition which, well, really we should expect to happen. It's called Pareto efficiency. Pareto, a mathematician who works on these kinds of problems uh, in the 50s and 60s. Uh, So if we have a vote and every single person says A is better than B, then so should the decision. Well, that seems quite reasonable. Of course, dictatorships have this. Because if everyone prefers it, so does the dictator. And it happens. Okay, so Pareto efficiency is not enough on its own to suggest we have something that's good. We need something else. This is trickier. This is definitely trickier. Independence of irrelevant alternatives. In some sense, what it says is, if A is better than B, then the fact that there is a candidate C... Doesn't change that. Okay? So if we prefer... Let's see. Let's put it it down and try and explain it. It's supposed to give some kind of consistency to what's happening. So what we do is our function should be able to take anything that the populace throws at it. It can take anything they'll vote for and turn it into a decision. That's how it works. So we can say if we take two votes and every individual person both times... Either say, if I prefer A to B, or I prefer B to A. They're consistent within their two votes. Then the decision should be consistent. Okay. So if, for instance, in the first time, they say, A, I prefer A to B, and the second time it's, I prefer A to B, but I put C in the middle of those two, this shouldn't change the result in terms of where A and B come. A should come before B. Does that see where I'm going with that? Is that sort of making sense? So we have two different votes, and each person rates A and B the same relative to each other both times. Each person is fixed in their opinions on A and B, which one is better. Then the decision is also fixed in which one it thinks is better. So this is sort of that, you know, votes which are close to each other should throw out similar sort of answers. This is the, this is the plan. Which is better out of A and B is independent of what else is around? Now move on to uh, 1960s result. So what this says... Well, there's a surprise. 1950, my apologies. A voting system, which has at least three options, has Pareto efficiency, and has independence of irrelevant alternatives, is necessarily a dictatorship. If you have those three properties, then you've got a dictatorship. Okay? So we worked out that having three options, well, that's not the problem. Having Pareto efficiency, well, we, I, I saw much nodding when I explained Pareto efficiency, but that was somehow reasonable. So somehow this independence of irrelevant alternatives is the problem. It's somehow that it, the other alternatives aren't independent. They shouldn't be independent. So just because we like A and B more doesn't necessarily uh, mean the answer should. OK, and if I get time, I'll hopefully explain a little bit about how you might prove such a thing. Which all it uses is what preferences we have and what these things these definitions say. So I move on to the other part. We've, so, OK, we've, we've tried, and you could say we've failed. We've tried to give some reasonable conditions on what a system could have, and we've come up with a dictatorship. OK, so have another go. A voting system is subject to ta- tactical voting. This says that what happens is each person, so person one up to person n, they put in a vote. A is better than B, and B is better than D, and D is better than F, and nobody likes C. But um, so each person puts in a different one, and we say there's tactical voting if a person could change their vote and get a better outcome for themselves. So person I could have chosen differently so that he prefers the winning outcome in the first in the first vote to the second. He prefers. He uh, changes what he wants. He votes on something incorrect uh, and gets a better result for himself. So it says there is some possible way this could be done. There's some way tactical voting could come into play. Does that does that follow? Because I think if we're if we're not reasonably happy with how these definitions work, it's kind of be slightly tricky to uh, make ground with this. So this is, we have a set of votes, there is some set of votes, and one person could change their vote to get a better outcome for themselves. So that's how that set works. And you know, that's what I've just said, I think. Okay. So we assume that this PI is what they actually think. If they change, they write down something that's not what they think, they could do better for themselves. This is what we're going for here. So in 1961, uh, it was conjectured uh, that tactical voting is a necessity in any reasonable voting system. And this is what we're going to go at. So this was actually proved by Gibbard and uh, Satterthwaite, Satterthwaite sorry, 1973. Um, it was conjectured some 12 years before, but the man who conjectured it decided it would be difficult to prove, so it didn't try. Only realising six months after this paper came out that it was, in fact... Very, very easy. We have a voting system with the following properties. There are at least two voters. Well, if there aren't, then it's a dictatorship, so that's reasonable. Two voters and at least three options. Each option can be preferred by the decision. There is some way of voting that throws that out as the best alternative. Okay? Seeing as we're not picking Pareto efficiency, we need this condition. Pareto efficiency, everyone liked A the best, then A would win. We wouldn't need this condition. But we're not assuming that. A- each option, there is some way of getting each decision for the populace. And it's not subject to tactical voting. There's no way of tactically voting. Then I'm sure the uh, conclusion will have turned up. Yeah. Then we have a dictatorship again. We can find a person whose vote carries up the whole weight. Any questions about what's been said so far? No? Okay. Let's see if I can pass on. So here, we're going to go back to this and see if I can give you an idea how we find a dictator. So we're going to assume we have our three options. We're going to assume we have this Pareto condition and this independence of alternatives. And we're going to try and oust the dictator. Okay, if there's only one voter, then there's a dictator. Our Pareto efficiency says... They want A to be better than B, so everyone wants A to be better than B, so A is better than B. Okay? The decision throws out precisely what they want, on the grounds that every voter thinks it. Okay, so now let's look at the other case. More than one voter. Pick an option. Then we say, well, there is some way of voting. Pick any one. Any way of voting, such that everyone thinks A is magnificent, the best thing, Or terrible, the worst thing. Sorry. If you're listening to the podcast, look away now. (sighs) Right, well, we'll save them from having to hear that. Okay. Then we claim that something peculiar happens. Everyone either loves it or hates it. Some people may love it and some people hate it in the same decision. But regardless of this it always comes either top or bottom in the decision. The vote always says either it's the best thing or it's the worst thing. We're already away from what we know about voting systems. We know that everyone can hate a major political party and have them really dislike them, and yet they can still win an election with enough people liking them, and we can have them come second in an election with people really hating them. So this, this, this really tells us that really something very strange is going on. So here's where some math turns up. Apologies. Suppose I have to. If it's not at the top or at the bottom, then there's something higher than it, and there's something lower than it. Nothing so surprising there. So there's an option U for upper and an option L for lower. And the decision that's made says A lies in the middle somewhere. Okay, so we're going to Suppose now that instead of the way they did vote, everyone voted and put U and L the opposite way around. So if previously they put A and then U and then further down and then L, then we'll swap L and U around. The fact that the things in the middle doesn't change the fact that they prefer U to L. Are you OK with that? All we're doing is saying, well, they did vote like this, but they could have voted this way. And our system still needs to come up with an answer. And we can ask, what answer would it have come up with? OK, so we swapped over. But now we've got an interesting situation. Pareto efficiency we can use. And now everyone prefers L to U. Because if they didn't, we swapped it over. Everyone prefers L to U. So L is better than U. The answer will say so. But we haven't changed where U and A are in comparison to each other in any of them. So the fact that every alternative but U and A is irrelevant says that U is still better than A in the second system, and that A is still better than L. If A was bigger than U, better than U before, then A is still better than U. And if A wasn't as good as U before, then it still isn't as good. And this independence of irrelevant things says we have both these conditions. In particular, if U is better than A, and A is better than L, then U is better than L. But U can't be both better than L and worse than L. Okay. And this is how we're going to show our claim. We've supposed something. we suppose well. We su- say we're going to prove something, and we suppose that's not the case. And what we've come up with is something that can't possibly happen. So what this says is that what we assumed is wrong. Yeah, We've made an invalid assumption. So there can't be this U and L. One of them must not be there. So our claim is that this A is maximal or minimal. The decision either favours it or despises it. OK. So, at the risk of losing everybody, let's continue. So we're going to use this claim to find a dictator. What happens? We pick a. There's a way of voting where everyone hates A. Everyone just hates it. It's not a problem at all. Everyone hates it, and so Pareto efficiency says it comes worst in the decision. Everything is better than it for all people, so it's got to come bottom in the decision. Okay, and then person by person. We swap them. We imagine that they didn't. Instead of picking A to be the worst, they picked A to be the best. Once they've all picked A to be the best, then the decision has to pick A. Because A is then maximal for everybody, and Pareto efficiency says, yes, this is the answer we have to take. At some point, it will swap. Claim says it's always maximal or minimal. one point, it goes from minimal to maximal, that person, whoever they were, had the power to change the entire vote. Okay, So we found this person, I, who was able to change our vote, such that A was awful, so that A is now magnificent. One person has changed it. And this person is who we say, and this person is our dictator. And, okay, we do have more to show than this. There is more detail to come up with, um, and more to say, uh, possibly it should round up. Got five minutes, okay, so maybe we can go for this. So what do we have to show to, to say that this person actually is a dictator? Well, we have to say that whatever they favour is what comes out. Well, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I just said. So how are we going to do this? Well, again, we've got to look at all the potential votes that could come in. And what we're going to do... Oh, my goodness me, doesn't that look complicated up there? It looks much simpler on this thing. Let's see if I can explain it a bit more comfortably than it's written there. We've got our vote that we had before. This is the one where the Ith person has just said, yes, A is amazing. And the I one person still thinks it's terrible, and everybody after them. But instead what i think is person I thinks, no, I'm the dictator, I'm going to prefer X. I'm going to have a new vote where he thinks, well, no, X, yeah, I'm going to have X to win. And then everybody else just does what they like with X and Y, whatever they want. So A was maximal, so Y lies somewhere lower than A. Person I prefers X to Y, this is the important thing for us. Okay, but uh, seen as everybody still has thinks of A and X the same way as they did before we found out I was the dictator. Uh, we still have X is better than A. We have the X is better than A. And similarly, if we look at the one where. Uh, person I had thought, no, A, A is magnificent. Uh, A is better than Y. Remember, this was the point at which A became maximal, so A is better than everything. At person I. But a person I minus 1 is a terrible, minimal thing, so X, whatever it is, is definitely better. Well, if we have that X is bigger than A, and A is better than Y, then we have X is better than Y. So the dictator said, well, I think X is better than Y. And it's so precisely as they wanted it. Which is uh, exciting this. And yes, OK, so we have to do this with all the different X and Y to make sure that however they wanted it to be, that's how it happened. Once we've done it at one stage, we just keep repeating what we do and we get our argument out. And yes, um, that concludes my proof that I is a dictator.